You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Welcome to episode number 32. Today, I'm so happy to be talking to Vicki Otter, a former teacher who followed her passion and now works as a well-being coach. Vicki has such a lovely presence. I first came across her in our mutual community online. I was immediately drawn to her passion and reached out to her. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her work as a coach and workshop facilitator. So welcome, Vicki. I am so happy to have you here. This conversation has been in the making, in the planning for probably close to eight or nine months. Yeah, quite a long time. <laughs> Vicki, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Vicky and I am a wellbeing coach. I run a business called Innate Connection and I deliver wellbeing coaching and workshops to young people and adults based primarily in a lovely part of the UK called Cornwall. <laughs> I notice when you're on Facebook you post a lot of pictures of animals so you have a little bit of a farm, hobby farm is it? Yeah we do yeah so um, I'm really really blessed actually my partner's um, parents have a small holding farm where we've got pigs and sheep and poultry and I am able to run my business from from there when I'm seeing my private clients so it means that um, yeah young people and adults coming into the farm space being outdoors having contact with animals um, kind of makes the whole coaching well-being workshop experience uh, really, really rich and really connected, I suppose. There is, well, there's two, there's actually, there's three things there. There's just the work that you're doing, but there's the being in nature, I find is huge. Mm. Well, there's something very powerful about that. But I've also read about the power, the healing power of animals. Mm. So you're offering your clients all three, three, three for the price of one. Yeah, yeah, it really, it was a funny thing because, um, so originally my work was based in schools. So I was going out to schools and if I had private clients, I'd go and see them at their homes. And then at that point, it was really that was working really well. You know, the clients were in a space that they felt comfortable. The schools, I could see lots of children in, in, in one day. But then um, I can't, it can't even remember how it came about. But one of the private clients, I'd said, oh, well, would you like to come and see me at the farm instead? And, and we just started our work with me being at the farm. And, I, and then it was like, so this works really well. Like it, it just, the, you know, the, just having that space, they, um, they were able to come and have, I don't know, like it's like a um, kind of you know, a different experience. Oh, that's exactly the thought that I had when you said it is a different experience. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, Jesse, the, the contact with the animals is therapeutic. The being outdoors is therapeutic. Um, being, yeah, being in nature. I remember um, I was running a young, young women's retreat day and getting some feedback from them at the end. And one of them said, so these were 18-year-old um, young women. 
And one of them said, it's really easy to connect with the innate power in you when you're surrounded by the innate power of nature. Ooh, that's, that's very deep. <laughs> very deep. Really deep. Yeah. And that was, I was kind of like, well, yeah, that's true. Like <laughs> she'd just been moved by that. And it looks so obvious that of course you're going to be reminded by your own power when you're surrounded by it. It was really lovely. Do you find that, because I find this, that kids really tap into their wisdom mm. so much, sometimes so much easier than adults do, because I think that we, we have a lot more fluff to clear away. Mm. I find that kids really can tap into that easily. Mm. Yeah. I have, um, yeah, I have kind of a mixed experience of that. Um, sometimes, sometimes... Yeah, I don't know. For me, I don't, it doesn't seem to be dependent upon the age. Mm. I hear lots of people say that, oh, children get this so much easier than adults. And I think I kind of find people to be people. Some, some kids kind of see something really quickly and some have a lot of stuff that they really thought was true and that, that really, you know, no, I really do have anxiety or, um, you know, no, this really, it, this really is a problem. I really, you know, I really am broken or damaged or you know I really don't have friends and this is never going to change and I have kids caught up in that equally as having adults caught up in that sometimes. Going back to the 18 year old how did you find that group of 18 year old girls how did that retreat go because that's that's such a cusp of an age isn't oh, it? It was amazing. <laughs> Oh, it was so amazing. So um, that was a pilot project, actually. Um, I, so I'd, I'd, I'd stayed in contact with one of the girls who was in the first class that I ever taught. Mm-hmm. And she then grew up, obviously. And I stayed in contact with her and her mum. And we were sat there. So I'd go around to dinner and see them. And we were sat there um, talking about my business. And I was saying, oh, you know, I'd really like to run some groups, but I don't, haven't done that before. Would really love to try it out. And I looked at her and I was like, hmm, can you get me a group of your friends together? She was like, yeah, totally. So they, she, so bless her. So they trusted her. She trusted me and they came. And, um, so they were 17 at that point. I think now they've all just turned 18 and, um, what an age that was last summer. They came for their first retreat day and they had just so, they were so full of energy, full of life, full of, um, opinions and, and, and ideas and, and an openness. They came with this beautiful openness. Um, so the, the, so the first day, um, I, I was trying stuff out. So, you know, when you're piloting, you like let yourself try stuff out and then you kind of think, why am I, why am I trying it like this? I feel like I'm not prepared at all. Um, so I said to them that they could choose the structure of the day. So there would be discussion around mental health and wellbeing. But other than that, they would get to build their day. So they'd get to say when they wanted their lunch, whether they wanted contact with animals, whether we were going to do art, whether we were going to meditate, like what, whatever well-being based things they wanted, they'd just see what came up on the day. Right. Which was really good all up until about the day before I was running it. And I thought, I can't prepare for anything because I don't know what they want. <laughs> 
And so I actually have to prepare for everything. Um, but, do you know, it was such a great way to run the day. And they said to me at the end, they said, all of our lives are be here at this time, then you're going to do this, then you're going to do this. Mm. To be able to choose what we did at what time in responsive to how we felt in that moment was such an amazing part of the, the whole process. So that was one really great <laughs> learning point for me. It was like, just just be with be with the thinking that flurries up with, you know, I'm not prepared, I'm not prepared. And let that be because there's something deeper that goes on when you let them choose what they want in the moment. Um, so did they choose to do like, what, what, what did they so, Yeah, so the day ended up being, um, sorry, the day ended up being, we did like two about a two hour talk to start with on well no they got here and it was amazing because we had that kind of like um initial oh it's a little bit awkward we don't really I don't know what I'm doing and you guys don't really know what you're doing oh hi nice to meet you and thanks for coming you know and then um we went into the room to like fill in the the forms that I was going to ask them to do and that we had um baby chicks that had been incubated and so one of them went, oh, look at the chicks. And I was like, the chicks, of course, the chicks. I said, if you all sit down, I'll give you one. And so they all just sat down and I handed out the chicks and they all just sat there with these little chicks in their hand being like, this is the best well-being day ever. Like just from that. And so it was yeah, such a good time to go home. Yeah. <laughs> you got what you came for. Um, so, so that was a lovely way kind of like to ice break the day was just to have the animals like, people like animals and people aren't going to come to a well-being day on a farm and not be attracted to that you know there'll have been something in them already wanting to go into that environment so then we went down to um the the space I had set up then it was the summertime so we had a bell tent which I call our well tent um so we went to the to the well tent and I just asked them what they already knew like what was on their minds about mental health and well-being and they talked and I listened and every time they stopped I went this is great keep going (laughs) and they did and they just and they start you know they started really sharing and 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 connecting with each other's stories and being just being held in that space of being able to talk about it as they saw it and at that point I was because because I'd kind of gone into this thinking I don't really know how this is going to go and I'm going to let that be okay yeah. I just kept waiting until I saw something that I might do. And in that conversation, there was nothing but listen. So I just listened and listened until lunchtime. And then at lunch, I said, so there's a couple of things that I could share with you that are relevant to what you talked about earlier, if you want to hear them. Otherwise, what other stuff do you want to do? And they said, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Share some stuff with us. We're ready. We want to hear some stuff. And then they said, can we paint? And they said, can we go and see the piglets? And so our afternoon, we stopped at the piglets, they tickled them, saw them, gave them some apples, I think. Then we went to the well tent again, and um, I shared the sunshine and cloud metaphor that their well-being was within them, and their thoughts are passing, um, like the clouds. And then we made glitter bottles, and um, talked about the nature of the mind and the nature of thought using the metaphor of the glitter bottle. And what I invited them to do, which I'm now remembering really stands out, actually. I said to them, um, I will share with you, but whilst I'm sharing, I don't want you to try and remember what I'm saying. I want you to listen to what comes up in you. 
So really, I want you to listen to yourselves because that's where your wisdom is. That's coming up for you. Don't listen to me and try and repeat what I'm, what I'm saying. Yeah. I want you to listen in a different way. And I, and I remember one of them going, wow, that's a really different way of learning to what we're used to. And I thought, yeah, I've been in the teaching system. Yes, it is. Um, but so off they went. And then it was just a, a, just a magical, um, a, a hilarious moment. So I did this glitter bottle. And the point of the glitter bottle is to point to the fact that for me, so my intention of sharing it is um, that our mind can be mixed up and busy and with lots of glitter swirling around, lots of thoughts, very busy minded, kind of feels a bit fuzzy. And our mind's natural capacity is to return to clarity and stillness. And it's going to do that. It's going to go up and it's going to come down. And that's all okay. Um, and, and, and you have this, you know, this um, kind of set point, natural point of, of clarity and calmness. And then they made their glitter bottles. And I said, now I'd love you to record on a post-it note what the glitter bottle means to you. Not one of them repeated <laughs> the point of why we'd made them from my, you know, from my intention. Not one of them. They all took something different. And that was, um, you know, there was kind of like two parts of me. One part going, yeah, they really did listen to themselves. And the other part wanting to go, no, yeah, they didn't no me. That's not, that wasn't what it was meant <laughs> So what sort of things did they write on the post-it notes? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. Um, I let them take them home with them. So I can't, I can't remember all of them. But um, I remember one of them said, um, the glitter bottle reminds me to, um, so rather than the saying, take life with a pinch of salt or take something with a pinch of salt, which she felt maybe had like a kind of a negative kind of spin to it. Um, she thought she was going to take life with a pinch of sparkle. Oh, yeah. And so it was, so it was just like, I mean, things that maybe weren't in, in my, in my mind, weren't even related to what I'd been pointing to, <laughs> but that was what they, that was the sorts of things they saw or, or one or some, this is an often thing that comes up, Jesse. And I wonder whether you maybe get this too with young people is that they see that seeing, seeing the, the, the visual of the glitter bottle is seems to be calming for them. Yeah. So they could see that they could shake the glitter bottle and then let it settle and it would just help them to kind of settle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I find that even uh, kids and adults, actually, it's one mm. of those, it is, it's a great metaphor for I, what I've done with kids is just ask them, okay, like at the beginning of it, say like they've made them, before they shake it up, think about how they're feeling. And then, you know, after they play with it for a bit and they watch it and they watch the glitter settle and then how they're feeling at that point. And is that different than the feeling they were having, you know, at the beginning of it? Mm. It's a fact, whoever came up with that idea, genius. I thank them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There were that, 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 I use that metaphor lots and we're, yeah, we're always, um, yeah, make, making glitter bottles. It's an interesting thing, Jesse, that I find with that because I can I mean, maybe it doesn't even matter how it works, but what I find kind of that I, I don't know how to point to this sometimes that it's not the fact the glitter bottle is calming down that you're calming down. 
like the glitter bottle is representing what's taking place in you, but your mind's just doing that. But it yeah. so looks like it's the glitter bottle calming them down. Like they instantly go into that. This is yeah. really helpful because it's going to calm me down. Right. Because you see, like, I don't know if it's over, over here in Canada this year or last year, the squishies became this thing where everybody was carrying around this squishy thing. My son was like, oh, I want to get a squishy. And I was like, for what? He goes for stress. And I was like, haven't we had this conversation like so many times? But yeah, so some one of the things I've just done is kind of how amazing the energy is that, that the glitter doesn't have to do anything to settle. It just kind of goes down when we just leave it alone. Mm. And But yeah, and that's just kind of the same thing with our thoughts. If we're thinking about something that we don't have to do anything with it. It's not, it's, it's the energy behind the glitter bottle and, and, and the energy behind our thoughts. Mm. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and I can't even, because we were talking before I hit record that <laughs> we're both junkies of everything. <laughs> it was, I can't remember if it was a book, a, a, an audio book or if it was a podcast, but somebody said, it's the formless like focus on that because the thoughts are so transient, you know, and so temporary. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. Even though that's what we do, but it's just kind of fun when something lands for us, when we hear somebody saying it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what you just said then landed for me, Jesse, when you were saying um, the bit, the little bit before that about the glitter bottle to look to the energy yeah. behind the fact that that glitter is falling. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can articulate it well now into what I saw, but when you said that, I thought, oh, right. <laughs> we're pointing to the energy behind the thought settling. Not as well, it's helpful to know that the thoughts settle, but that's the form. Yeah. 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 I see. It's, you know, it's funny. When I was taking um, facilitator training with Rudy and Jenny, I remember Rudy saying, it's not what we think, it's that we think. And that just wasn't, I was like, mm. it just wasn't landing with me. And then one day I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now I get it. You know, yeah. the content of the thought, like I say, is transient, it's temporary, it just keeps moving. Yeah. The energy of the power of thought. Mm. that's where the magic that's where our superpower is and it's just like oh okay yeah yeah that's really nice it's funny that you mentioned that phrase you know I said I was talking to you earlier about um the first course that I did was with Anne Ross yeah that is one phrase that when she said that she said it's not what we think it's the fact that we think that's important and I I heard it and I thought there's something in that like you don't quite know what it is but you're like, it really piques your interest or it lands in a different way. Yeah. It's the same phrase that I, and I thought, yeah, that I heard something in that as well. It's funny that you mentioned that phrase. <laughs> it, it's one that stuck with me and that was a couple of years ago. But yeah, it is. It's one of these things where you're like, oh. And it's, it, there's so much fun in having conversations with kids and adults where you get to point them to this wisdom. Mm. And so for the for the for the girls and back to the girls in this retreat. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, how many girls were there that were there? Um, there were six of them. 
I'm sure this, what was your biggest takeaway from that day with them? Cause I always walk away from these experiences and I'm, I'm just like, huh, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So my biggest takeaway, there were so many big takeaways actually. Um, so it's, wow, oh gosh, <laughs> there were so many. I suppose if I tell you a little bit more, actually, so what, so one, so the biggest, the biggest takeaway would have been just that connection. Yeah. There was something that came up in the feeling between us. Like, it, I don't, this sounds really cliched, but, but this is kind of, I, I don't know how else to describe the heart's journey, but that we began as strangers and they left as friends. Oh. It, the, 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 the heartfelt journey that we took together on that day was so powerful. And by the end of the day, when we were doing the reflection about it, because it was a pilot program. So the idea had been that they would come and have the wellbeing day and their, their payment would be feedback to me about how it had gone and what I might do to improve. But what happened by the end of the day was that we all came to realize that this was only the start of our journey together. We couldn't possibly just leave it at a day. Oh, nice. So they've come back, um, they've come back once, um, in February and they're coming back again this summer for one more day. So they'll have had three days over the year, um, to reconnect. And the second time they came back, it was like meeting friends and their feedback at the end of that day was like, we were really looking forward to seeing you and you seem you're so genuinely interested in us. And I was like, yeah, that's because I am. Like, it's not, you know, there wasn't like a how to run Vicky's retreat days show that you are genuinely interested in your quiet. It wasn't like a thing to do. It was just, I was so happy to see them. And you say about like the time of their lives, like they came back and they were then talking about university applications and offers that had been, you know, that they'd accepted or that some of them were going off traveling. And I mean, what a beautiful transitory kind of time to be, to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. To me, there's, that's the, there's magic. People can feel when you're actually really present with them, Mm. present in a conversation, present in whatever, but I do, I think in a workshop and I, for me, what I've seen is when people are like, often they're not heard enough, you know, or, or they're not given the space or, the presence where people are really genuinely just sitting with them in that. And that's one of the biggest things I've taken away from the time I've spent in workshops is that it's like being present. You can't plan that. You just have to, you know, it's how you show up and that, that really matters. Mm, Yeah. I find it, um, um, it's like, um, I don't, I don't know. I, you're, you're saying that and I'm kind of like, yeah, it was so easy to do that with them. And I think I definitely have, um, some thinking that I notice can get in my way of being present is, is when I've got like, kind of like, I've got a lot on the outcome. 
So if I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't know, I can have a, I can have things on the, you know, a lot on the outcome in different ways. It might be that, well, they've paid me, therefore I need to get results or, well, the results need to be this because that's what they're expecting. Or, um, I really need to point them towards this. So when you, you've got that kind of intention at the beginning, whereas when I'm running pilot projects and, and the exchange is that I'm going to do it and they're going to give me some feedback and we'll be wrapped up in the day, I have so less on it yeah. because I'm just like willing to experiment and see what comes up and see how it works. And if it doesn't work, never mind. And I kind of, every time I do it, I think this works really well. Why can I not just live like, why don't I just live like as if it's an experiment? <laughs> because this works so much better. <laughs> I have definitely found that this is another thing theme for me running through this year is letting go of attachment to an outcome. Mm. Just kind of like whatever will be, will be, you know, because you can go into a room full of people and they're coming into it from so many different spaces and, and, and states of mind that we have nothing on that. You know, whereas if we just show up and we're, we're really in the moment, mm. I think they get that. Mm. You know? And so I bet you that's why in your workshops, when you're doing the pilots, that you're just full on there with nothing. Yeah. No attachment to an outcome. Nothing. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I get it. When somebody's paying you, you're like, oh my goodness, well, for sure I want it. But I've let go of that because people see what they're going to see when they're going to see it. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 I fall in and out of that. I think I can, oh, yeah. it's not like, um, yeah, when I, when, you know, whenever I'm getting paid, I've got a load of thinking that I'm not present, like not like that at all. But, um, yeah, I definitely, um, that attachment to outcome is a really interesting thing to notice, isn't it? It's like, Oh, this feels icky because I'm really attached to this going a certain way. Yeah, and and with everything, you know, like even like I, I was having an uncomfortable conversation with somebody the other day, and it was, it I I just let go of the attachment that it has to be a certain way, and then it just is, and then I just it's just like yeah, you know, mm. and, but again, I'm human as are you, so it's kind of you fall in and out of that, just depending on the moment. I mean, yesterday I got into a bit of a a tizzy in my head. And certainly if I'd had the conversation in that moment, it certainly wouldn't have been the same, mm. but how we show up matters so much, mm. you know, and it's something I've said to my son is that like he, he, I remember on a Monday morning, he was complaining. He was like, Oh, Monday sucks. And he said to him, okay, let's play with this for a bit. You have to, you're going to go through Monday anyways. <laughs> <laughs> So you can go through in that energetic space of it sucks, or you can kind of go through it with curiosity and wonder. Mm. And which one feels better? And even in that, you know, and he was like, oh, I guess the curious one. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> there's your road. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, how we show up in the energy of that space. I, I, I'm sure people feel that. So I'm sure the girls felt that. I think that's cool that they've met up again and, and you're going to meet up with them. And I'd be curious to see if something's different, like you're going to meet up with them this summer. Yeah. Are you going to do the same format, just kind of of whatever yeah. holds? Yeah. Yeah. But knowing that this is the closing one. 
so mm. do, maybe doing some some kind of you know um reviewing maybe you know what have you got out of it what yeah what, you know yeah like what's different for you um yeah I don't know I haven't put too much thought into it <laughs> when you met them in February did you ask that was there things kind of that came up for them that they said oh you know it's this you know they've thought about this or oh that's a good question let me have a think Do you know, I think, um, I think that they wanted to reconnect to the feeling between us. So I think they came back definitely with that. But they also came back this time having remembered doing the glitter bottles. So they referred back to that. So I remember they were sort of saying to me that I needed to get myself more well known and that I could go into schools and do an assembly. And they were like, yeah, just give them like something, like a snippet, like do the glitter bottle in front of them in the assembly hall. And then they, and then, you know, that would be a really good thing. So they, they'd kind of, um, it would be interesting to talk to them about whether what they'd learned had kind of filtered out into their lives more we didn't do any specific reflection of that particularly um last time um so that would be a good question to ask them yeah I'd be curious I'll be I'm gonna touch touch base with you after that yeah, after I've seen um, them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um when you've been working with kids in I, I've noticed that you use these little uh in the kimochis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you, okay, those are, they look amazing. They are. Yeah, they're really good. And they, 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 what, what do you use them for? Yeah, okay. So, um, so a big part of, I suppose, the space that I like to create with someone is around all feelings being okay. Yeah. So they're allowed to feel any feeling. So it's not, not so much, I mean, you know, sometimes the work is about allowing them the space to talk about how they feel, but it's not, it's not in, it's not kind of in a, that there's anything to do about it. So it's, I think, so having the, having the Komochis allows us to talk about feelings in, in what seems to be a really accessible way, because you've got, see, they're the little characters and they've got the face on the front and the word on the back. And I've got them as toys and also on like a sheet of paper. Mm. And having the words there gives the children a language that they can use to describe how they're feeling. And they get really curious. It's like, oh, insecure. What's insecure? what is that? So we can start having a conversation around, around feelings and, and how we describe particular feelings, but within this context that they're all okay. So we're not trying to get rid of any, we're not trying to like sort out our kimochis so that we want those ones and we don't want them ones. Although we might, I do do something where I ask them to sort them. It, it's, it's, it's kind of to develop understanding rather than to get anywhere or to change and fix anything. So so we either use them, so one of the ways that I use them is as a Komochi check-in. So if I'm one-to-one, I use it, and if I'm in a group, and pour out the toys or give them the sheet and say, how are you feeling right now at the start of the session, knowing that all feelings are welcome. So um, I used um, uh, Dick and Bettinger's phrase that he used recently, something I was listening to him on, where he says, um, it's a come-as-you-are party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. 
I love that. Like you don't have to be a certain way. So, so I tell my clients, like I've, I've, I'm using a phrase that one of my teachers uses. And, uh, and so I want you to know it's, a, you know, come as you are. You don't have to show up to this session in a particular mood or in a particular way. You just come as you are. And this just gives you the chance to check in with how you are right now. Knowing that that's all transient and we don't have so much on it, but just how is your experience right now? So one-to-one, they'd just share that with me individually. And then they might say, you know, oh, I've checked in as worried. I've got this exam coming up and I've been, you know, I'm worried about that. Or they might give me some context to the, to the feeling. And in a group, they get the chance to, so I have a little glass star that I pass around the circle. And we talk about your role when you're holding the star and your role when you're not holding the star. So when you're holding the star, you get to choose the kamochis. They go down to the middle of the circle and pick out the toys and then they tell the group how they're feeling. And the role when you're not holding the star is, um, I've started using this, the phrase um, holding space. Mm-hmm. So that they're holding space for each other to be able to share. This is uh, no judgment, no laughing, no comments, just listening respectfully, patiently. And holding, holding a really loving space for your classmates or your friends to share. Um, and so they go around the circle and they share how they're feeling. So we use them as a Komochi check-in. We might check out as well at the end of the session of how they're feeling then. Um, and then we um, often in my work will make a mood elevator. So we do a class one. Yeah, you've heard of these? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I use it absolutely because it, it's yeah. it's such a great metaphor. Yeah, and so accessible. So sometimes I feel like, um, and I can I'm kind of I know that I'm kind of on the cusp of seeing something new about this, but I haven't quite seen it yet. Around, um, and I don't even know if I've got the words to articulate it, but it, it's kind of around. Um, <laughs> what is it around? kind of a query on how much focus I put on the feelings like Hmm. it's kind of to be open with them and accepting of them but not not to be so attached to them perhaps I don't know there's something more for me to see but I can't quite name it um I get it though it's it's one of the because you can get caught up in talking about the feelings yeah so one of the things that I've used that's been helpful for some people is when I say, um, think of them like cars going down a highway. There's lots of cars going down. Mm. If you give one a parking space, make sure it's, 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 it's a temporary parking space. It's not mm. something where, you know, because when it becomes more permanent, that's when we're kind of, the story goes, yes. gets bigger. So that's one I've used. The other one I've used is, um, a snowball so when you think of a snowball you play with it you know like a snowflake to a snowball it's kind of like there's lots of snowflakes Mm. and that's like our thoughts there's thousands of them so if we take one down and we kind of make a snowball out of it Mm. we're engaging with it Mm. but if we keep engaging with it it becomes bigger and bigger like a snow it turns into a snowman and that one has helped as well I don't know Mm. if it will help you or kind of but it is it's like the more you engage with that Mm, yeah yes yeah great yeah yeah that's really lovely jesse yeah that's that you're what how you're you're describing exactly what i was trying to point to <laughs> like 
it's like, yeah, I kind of want them to be okay with the feeling and then not make a big deal of it as well. Um, because like you said, like, uh, then we start to get a story. So it, 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 I, I, so you might have a child check in as I'm feeling worried, worried then becomes anxious, anxious then becomes anxiety. Anxiety, They have, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) It was made of the same thing. It's made of the same thing. But, but so, yeah, so, so we do the mood elevator, um, uh, like it sounds like you do because it's so accessible. People yeah. get that kind of up and downness in their moods and they, they kind of really relate to it. So, but all the time it's like, and I'm not trying to get you to the top. I'm not saying you need to live your life from the top. We're just acknowledging that there's this spectrum and that's all okay. There's actually a business book. And I think it might be called the mood. The mood. It elevator. is up the mood elevator, the Larry Sen one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. I have that. Yeah, <laughs> my list of many books. But it's true, and it's one of those things when you realize it goes up and down. And in order for the elevator to keep working, it has to go up and it has to go down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just a great metaphor, isn't it? So, so with the, with the Komochis as well, that creates a really lovely um, kind of class experience. In if you're working, if I'm working with a group, that I hand out the Komochis. There's like 34 of them. So pretty much with every group that I've worked with, everyone can hold one, and sometimes they get two. Yeah. And so they look at their Komochis that they're given, and then we have on the floor. We imagine it as the elevator. So we mark the top and we mark the bottom, mm. and I invite them to go and put their Komochi where they think it goes, knowing that other people might have a different opinion of that mood. So, so it gets, they start to see this um, kind of different perspectives, separate realities playing out, just in laying out the mood elevator, and then they get to make their individual one. So they get to have their own say in their books, making one, drawing it or sticking it, so that they can say, and this is how I think I experience my life in terms of moods. It's the, these things. I love these things. I love engaging with these types of things um, mm-hmm. because it's fun. And the elevator one for me is definitely one that I I um, have used a lot. Yeah. What else do you like to use? Mm, I think we're we're very similar. The glitter bottles is one that's for sure. That's but that's my that's a constant, pretty constant for me. Um, some uh, the play doh. Definitely. Yeah. I was just saying to you, so I, I, I spoke to a business or a networking group the other day and I, I, I did this with them where I gave them all Play-Doh and it's fun to see people. It doesn't matter what age they are, <laughs> kind of just creating with that. And there was a couple of things that came up for that in this group and it, it was interesting because it was like they were in this fun space, you know, and it was also to see the power of their creation when they had no attachment to it. Yeah. That was a fun one. Um, but also to show, again, that they could smush it down and make something else. And it meant the power of like the transient thoughts. Yeah. So the Play-Doh is one that I use, the glitter bottles, um, art. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just kind of in the moment of what is. Mm-hmm. It just, it just, it's whatever comes up. But those are my main ones that I use. Nice. It's really nice. Um, it occurs to me to share another one with you that I've been using recently. Um, so I, um, this came up for me when I was listening to somebody at the three P's conference in, in London. Was that last month? I think it was last month. And, um, so I'd used the idea of mood glasses before. 
Oh. So that it's linked to the mood elevator is that like whatever mood you're in is going to affect what the world looks like right. because kind of pointing to this internally created experience rather than the world is happening to you. And so we've done, um, we've done that in one way where I um, explained that to the children and then I got them with pipe cleaners to make like certain mood glasses. So like, they might be a certain, you know, they might think, right, these are going to be my angry ones. So think about what colours, what shape glasses you might make if you were going to make your angry glasses. And know that when you've got your angry glasses on, you look out into the world and there seems to be a lot of stuff to be angry about. But you could swap your glasses to your happy glasses and look out at exactly the same world and find loads of things to be happy about. Because the feeling is coming from you and what glasses you've got on. not the world and then so we've done those and then it occurred to me that another way of kind of making that visible and um kind of what is it it's like because we're pointing to the invisible so you're always trying to visible the invisible (laughs) yeah so I bought I invested in a in a load of um different colored glasses (laughs) so they could uh, they could try on you know this is what I'm looking out to the same thing but it oh, it's slightly different with those ones on compared to another colour. So we just have a play. Like you said, Jessie, it's like, just play. So they play with putting them on. They then started putting like two on at once and asking how that would work in terms of their thinking. And um, so that then now links to the, the, the two pairs. You know, it's just like glasses, but in a different way, basically. I've done that with your 3D glasses. And also with the ones that have the lines through them. Oh, yes. And you can get them at the pound shop. Yeah. And it just shows different ones where it's just like, oh, so you're not seeing this like clearly or you're seeing differently when you have these glasses on versus those ones. Perfect. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'll tell you a big fail for me. Um, No, this was a couple of years ago. I went into a school and the intention that I had was to show them the pom-poms, we were going to make pom-poms individually mm. so they could choose their color and it would, you know, and then to put it together into a rug as one, like they were in it, which yeah. in theory sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> in theory. Because I said to you earlier, I'm not particularly crafty. So I, I was over at my friend's and she was showing me how to make a pom-pom, but we had a couple of glasses of wine. So I didn't really catch the, the how to finish it off part. <laughs> so I'm in, the, I'm in the classroom and we get to a certain point and then I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't know what to do next. <laughs> I literally don't know what to do next. So I'm sitting there and at the same time, I'm having this thought, there's a girl in the class that hers has fallen off the cardboard or something's happened. And I just thought, okay, I just, I just have to come clean here. So I said to her, you know what? I'm going to be honest with all of you. I do not really know how to make a pom-pom. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, I've gotten some lessons and I've forgotten the last part. And they all loved the fact that I showed up and I was real and I was human and, and I had no idea. But from that, I took all their pom-poms home and then I had to finish them and I created this rug, which turned into so much work. Oh. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, but it was, there was something also in that where it was really like 
there was a connection in the fact that this girl was upset about this and we talked about that a little bit and then when I shared with them that you know here's here's I wanted this to be really good and I had all these intentions for that and now I'm showing up and I don't know how to finish the pom-pom and you know and so it it turned out to be a really valuable Mm. mess up on my part yeah I have planned to screw up better than I did (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I love that I love that um that being in conversations like we're in now Jesse allows you to kind of a lot I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it like this like align with the flow of life okay. like you can trust that it kind of like conversations like this allow you to see that like even when it went wrong it went right like it appeared to go wrong and then actually and actually that turned out okay because I, what I find myself in now is kind of like um flicking between trusting life and then thinking no 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 I can't trust it right but our conversations allow kind of remind me no you really can yeah just keep trusting life to unfold as it's meant to be and you know like so this this uh, when I was speaking to these business owners last week I had done this powerpoint presentation um I had these really nice slides for them and the night before my, my son had been sick the day before and so I kind of didn't have things prepared. So that night at like 10 o'clock, I think, okay, I'm going to print these off. And, you know, and my printer's out, it's out of ink. It's out of like magenta, which it won't even print black and white. So here I am sitting there panicking. I sat up till like two o'clock in the morning, writing out my presentation. Oh. And I went to the presentation in the morning. I didn't use any of those notes. I didn't give them any handouts at the time. We played with Play-Doh. I spoke to them about well-being and why it matters and and their wisdom. And then I I sent them a little thing after with an elevator, actually, you know. Um, but, but, But that's just it. It's just in the moment. And it's like we create what we think something should look like. And then we get attached to that. Mm. And when you let go of that attachment and just let it be, there's magic. That's where magic happens. And that's where creativity happens. And that's when we give it space, when we allow their space for other things to have, like life to happen. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It's a nice space to be in. (laughs) It is a nice space to be in. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, um, the beauty of, um, of our of our jo- I'm kind of like lumping us together now so I hope that's okay like our job uh, we, we've already done that before we <laughs> record <laughs> um the beauty of our job is that we get to kind of sit in that a lot of the time yeah. and we get to kind of sometimes you're showing people who don't really ever sit in that what it's like to sit in that yeah um, yeah and I think that can be really like, even if, um, like, maybe even especially with young people, like, they don't know why they like being around you and what they're learning, but they know it's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but their radar goes, oh, this feels nice. Like, 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 um, you know, they tell you a, um, you know, a distressing story and you sit there and kind of go, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than, no, did that happen? Oh my goodness. And like, you just kind of, because you're so trusting of, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's the way your journey is taking you now. 
cool. Yeah. All right, let's see where that goes. Because you're in that trust. And it kind of, I think that it, it allows people to try that out as well. Yeah, honestly. And I think with adults as well, and my experience with that has been because they're so busy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you sit with them for a bit, and at first they can be kind of spooked out by it when it's just kind of like, what are you bringing out Play-Doh or mm. you know, sit and have a conversation? And, you know, we might go for a walk. I did an intensive with a client and, and hadn't done one before. And it was one of these things where I, I set it up that we were in a space where we could just walk in the park and, and stuff like that. And at first he was kind of like, you want to go for a walk? Like, this is kind of weird. But being in that space where your mind settles allows there again, it just creates that space for other things to come, to come Mm. up, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty good world that we live in. Mm. I I think. (laughs) Yeah, really. Yeah. Really good world. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) So listen, this has been a lovely conversation. I, really enjoy I, I just it was funny because for the listeners we were supposed to speak in May April and my son went to the hospital that day and so we yeah. did but even getting to that April or May date was four months prior so yeah, yeah it was in advance I have been excited and I, I just I really loved connecting with you yeah, me too. Thank you for, for, for pursuing it and for keeping going, uh, getting us here. It's been lovely talking to you. I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing all that stuff. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. So have a good day. Thanks, and you too. Bye. That was a fun conversation. Vicky has such a beautiful heart and her passion for what she does is so evident. It's really nice to exchange ideas and takeaways with another coach. This conversation was an example of the power of connection and the beauty of a conversation. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. There are huge benefits to having a very loose agenda for a workshop. Doing so creates the opportunity for participants to explore their own creativity, and you never know what will come up. While I'm hesitant, I think I'm curious to give this a try. I love when Vicky said, listen to yourself. That's where your wisdom is. In conversations, the speaker often has a purpose in what they're sharing. What we often forget is that the listener will receive, will receive the information from their own personal lens, from where they are in that moment. It's through that lens they will hear whatever message they're going to hear. And finally, The power of connection is immeasurable. When you are truly present, you give the opportunity for those that you work with or you're conversing with to feel like they matter. As Vicky said with her pilot project, they came together as strangers and they left as friends. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.